0: Just a quick heads up that these are adults having adult conversations about things that take place on a show where the adults use a lot of adult language. All this to say there might be some salty language ahead, so please plan accordingly. Human beings never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do
1: is to keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. Add that right there to our list of perfect stuff. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Thank you. What
0: would Ted Lasso do? That's the question we explore in each episode of this podcast. We take the lessons we learn from Ted Lasso and apply them to the real world through the lens of leadership and positive psychology. My name is Dimple DeBalia.
1: And I'm Jeff Harry. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it, and that it helps you discover your own Lasso Way and embrace what it means to believe.
0: Welcome back, everyone. I can't believe we're on the very last episode of everything.
1: Everything. (laughs) Of the whole. It's crazy. Ride. Yeah.
0: Today we're talking about season three, episode 12. So long. Farewell. This one was directed by Declan Loney and written by Brendan Hunt, Bill Lawrence and Jason Sudeikis. And yeah like there's just so much but i'm curious well first of all hello jeff <laughs>
1: hello i am excited for this last one are you excited to be done or are you excited <laughs> i don't know i mean it's kind of interesting i feel the same way as which i feel towards the episode you know which is like it's a perfect way to end
0: oh you know? see so that was yeah. a perfect ending
1: yeah
0: all right I guess my impressions, I mean, I think they did end it pretty well. Like they tied everyone's stories up and I Mm -hmm. think that's what this was meant to do. But I think it's still for me, like building on the last few episodes where I felt like things felt kind of rushed or whatever. I felt a little bit of that here too, in that I would have liked to have seen like certain things and whatever. But, but I think given how many things they had to tie up, they did a really nice job. And yeah.
2: I think they
1: did a phenomenal job And the reason why I say that Is like, I watch Game of Thrones I've watched, you know, (laughs) Lost I've watched the end of Many, you know, seasons Of things, right, and how they And most of the time they fall flat Man, heck, I remember Sitting down to watch the last Seinfeld episode And people were like, it was horrible You know, so to do something like this And do it well is really hard Yeah. The last time I got really good vibes, the way in which I got with this was the last episode of The Wire. Oh. Uh, Yeah. Which I consider some of the best TV ever made.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you have any overarching themes for this one? Or
1: if I was to think of anything, it would have been closure, Mm -hmm. you know, and full circle. So many full circle moments.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And full circle moments that you would not have been able to foresee, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning or the end. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think definitely closure was a big part of this. But also, and I know we'll get to this, but I think there was this, this whole thing about continuing on with what Ted had said a few episodes ago, which is that we're all works in progress. Mm
2: hmm. <laughs> Yep,
0: Because even though like all like the storylines all got wrapped up, everyone's still doing the work, you know? Right. And so that's like, that's going to continue. And there was that beautiful discussion that the Diamond Dogs had, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, you know, just this idea that we we're not meant to be perfect and like we're going to keep working at things. And so, yeah, so that that was like the big theme for me is just like this may end here, but like it's a continuation forever, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's just so many storylines to talk about. So I was thinking maybe to make this easier, we just go down person by person.
2: Let's do it. Do
0: it that way. So let's start with Rebecca since we start in her kitchen anyway. <laughs> and, and she's uh, talking to the TV, She's telling Terry Henry to shut up. And the other thing about this episode, which was interesting, is that there were a lot of callbacks, right? A ton of callbacks to previous episodes and also to homages to, you know, their favorite shows and movies and things like that. And so when we hear Ted, I mean, uh, Rebecca say, you know, shut up, Terry Henry. It's a callback to Beard's episode, right? Mm -hmm. In um, season two, where he keeps saying that to to Terry Henry. But yeah, so we learned that Rupert is having some issues. (laughs) he's not having the best he
1: got caught
0: he did get caught and then we see ted saunter into the kitchen
2: which and- is
1: so <laughs> interesting because like that is what people had so badly at some point wanted right
2: yeah
1: so i love that they start off that way because then i was about to be like oh my gosh this is rushed they didn't build this up you know i was yeah. about to criticize it until Beard walks in with his little speedo on, <laughs> followed by his girlfriend. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I was like, well done, writers. Well done. I thought yeah. that was a really good job. And I also love the interaction where Ted's like, do you want to talk about it? Because then I'm like, did they sleep together? What had happened? But it was the fact that she was leaving and she and and she was like, well, I'm not ready to talk about it. And that I found very fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this whole thing with people like shipping them, Ted and Rebecca, the whole like last year
1: has been or 2 has, years. I mean, maybe I two thought years. Was, I thought it was even the first year they were like they're definitely going to get together.
0: It could be. But I yeah, I never wanted that. And it's interesting because Brendan Hunt did a an ask me anything session on Reddit a couple weeks ago or maybe 3 weeks ago now. And got a lot of questions, but a, a big one was about, you know, why didn't they have them get together? And he he talked about how it's such a common TV trope that we've mm-hmm. gotten used to that, like, yep. men and women have to end up getting together. And,
2: yep.
0: and he said, you know, but why can't they just have a platonic relationship? And yep. he says, like, they are genuinely soulmates, but why can't soulmates be platonic, you know? Right. And I thought that that's a really beautiful answer, right? Because it's true. Like I think that they have a a great relationship, but I didn't want to see them get together, you know? Yep.
1: Yep. And it would have been so cliche anyway.
0: Yeah, but I I did like it. I thought it was very clever of the writers to kind of acknowledge that that's where people were going, Mm -hmm. and then kind of shift it. And so that was kind of fun. And then beard, yeah, beard and the thong was
1: just. (laughs) And then he sits on the counter with it. I, know.
2: Oh. I was like, oh, gross.
1: And then they were like, and then the uh-huh. the person that was cleaning came in Mina, and was like, I'll yeah. do the guest. I'll do the guest room. And he's like, I mean, if you listen to it, he's like, those ropes are yeah. garbage. <laughs> and then he even says some of them are dirty on purpose. And I, I was know. like, oh, I know in somebody else's house. I was like, oh, so, so gross. bizarre. So, so bizarre. Gross.
0: But yeah, so that Mina scene was a callback to when Rebecca had Luca in her kitchen naked, yep. and so there was that. And then apparently the blazer that Jane comes in wearing—oh
1: yeah—because
0: she says, "Oh, I went. I hope you don't mind. I went through your wardrobe
1: <laughs> and found some garbage."
0: And she said, "I put on this dress," and the Rebecca dress, says, "Well, yeah. it's it's a blazer, but okay." <laughs> yeah. And apparently it's the blazer that she wore in the Christmas episode.
1: Oh, interesting. And so yes,
0: yeah, so I thought that that was kind of cool. Okay. So then that kind of, you know, finishes up. And then we see Rebecca again in her office meeting with Higgins and Keely. And she's just in a good place. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she, she doesn't care about Rupert and his divorce. She has no comment about it, nothing snarky to say. Even when it's kind of off the record, when Keely says, you right, know, like Higgins right. and I want to know. And like she's perfectly, she's good now. And I don't know. There was something really like, just nice and settling about that.
1: There's something grounding about that, yeah. right? It's like it's he doesn't occupy her brain anymore. You yeah. know, which is which was the whole first and second season. Yeah. And heck even almost two and a half seasons, maybe even longer. And the fact that she could help his ex-wife.
2: Yeah.
1: And the other person, right? So yeah. I mean, it's like it's such an empowering space to be in because it's like you can't affect me at all. Like you literally can't you can't take anything else away from me. So that when you're in that grounded place, like that's some Tarana Burke, you know, me too place where it's just like you can take all this stuff away from me and I'm still going to do the work, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was that was awesome. That was awesome to see.
0: Yeah. And so as grounded as she is, she's still not ready to talk about Ted leaving. Like, she can't think about that. And she said in the morning when she was talking to him that it's not that she, you know, was upset about him leaving. It was just she couldn't think about him not coming back. Yeah. So Higgins tells her that, you know, she can sell 49% of the club and still retain ownership and make a ton of money. And she asked about selling the whole club because Mm -hmm. there's a part of her who feels like, number one, she went into this solely to, like, destroy Rupert. Right now, she doesn't care. Right. And Ted's leaving. So and she finds out she can get two billion pounds for
1: it. Right. Which is just obscene. (laughs) But also, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so then, you know, we see her with her mom at the pub and she says, you know, I'm thinking about selling the club. And her mom's like, just do it. You know, just do it. And as she's sitting there thinking about it, we see the pub guys have paid for their bill and actually come up to talk to them to say, to tell her, you know, to thank her and to say, you know, that all that she's done for the club, that she's inspiring. And then they go on to say that she's kind of like the mother that they never had.
2: Mm -hmm. And I
0: thought that that was kind of funny because her mom had just finished talking about Tish, the psychic, right? And that was one of the things that she had said is you're going to become a mother and so you know, this is one aspect of that, right? Right, like, right. And even in one of the articles, they she says that they describe her as the matriarch of the team, mm-hmm. right, or the mm-hmm. club.
1: I just thought that was such a beautiful scene because it shows those three guys pooling their money. They're like pooling their money to yeah. figure out how they can buy her a drink, and they clearly can't afford
2: it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. clearly
1: can't. But like, they, you know, this is everything for them. Like, this is. This is their life, right, yeah yeah, so it's so nice of them to buy the drinks and then to thank her, yeah, and you could see almost her tearing up a bit, yeah, as she's being thanked by them, you know, mm-hmm. and then it gets all weird when he when they mention the grandma part, but you know, <laughs> but still, it was just that's such a it's such a sweet gesture, yeah, from those three that probably have been watching. That team, their whole life struggle their whole life. And just thinking about, like, I moved to Oakland in 2002 and watching the Golden State Warriors lose for fi- almost 15 years, like, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. To watch yeah. it over and over again and to watch it for your whole life and then to finally see what you've always won, like, that makes you feel like you're invincible. Yeah. You know, for sure. And, for sure. and she helped do that.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, you know, what we've talked about along the season, that you don't often know the impact that you're mm-hmm. having on other people, right? Yep. Like, yep. it's its one of those things that we do the things that we do, and sometimes we get to hear about the impacts and whatnot, but but we're probably touching people in ways that we don't even realize, you know? Right,
1: right, and so, right. And we'll never know. Yeah. So I yeah. love that. And it also, I also, I don't know if it was a callback, but it was just awesome, because I, I, when I saw those three, I remember when they got on the pitch.
0: Mm, yeah. And they were so excited. Beer. Like, yeah, and they
1: were so excited. So like, yeah, yeah. I love those. They might be some of my favorite characters.
0: Yeah, they're really cute. They're really cute. And then like the two, the one who was like the most obnoxious has grown on me a little bit, but like right. all three of them are like really, um, yeah, it's been really nice to see. So then Rebecca's finally ready to talk about it and she goes and finds Ted and he's sitting in the stadium and it's kind of like the opening scene, right? Like the, I mean, the opening credits,
1: which I've never seen him sit in the stands,
0: right? Well, no, he's been in the stands before.
1: I don't remember it. I don't, when was the last time?
0: Oh, maybe not in, you're right. No, he hasn't. He's been on the training pitch in the stands. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
1: So I was like, oh, this is such an interesting Because I've also never saw the stadium look so big.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. It felt so much bigger.
0: The only time we do see it is in the opening credits when he's sitting there and the Ted Lasso theme music is playing. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I thought this was an interesting conversation because it was so one-sided initially. (laughs) It was, was, yeah. It was great. Yeah. And so it was just a lot of her you know, I'm, she's ready to talk. She's decided to sell the club. If you go, I go Mm -hmm. and doesn't say anything. And then she says, well, there is another option. We both stay. And then she follows that up with, you know, I respect your need to go home, but, you know, she wants him to consider, like, there are a lot of great things that, you know, and and the fact that this has kind of become his home in a lot of ways, yep, right?
2: Absolutely.
0: And then she tells him that, you know, if she sells to 49%, she could make him one of the highest paid coaches, which she knows that he's not in it for the money. He knows yep. that he's not in it for the money. And this whole time, he's just quiet. And then she says, it's the part where you say you need to sleep on it. And I say, OK, and we go, we do the same thing again tomorrow.
1: That's and, such good writing, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And there was one other part that I thought was really yeah. powerful, too, was Rebecca had outlined what he can do with his family.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: she had clearly laid it out because she was just like, you know, your kid can go to one of the best schools your wife or your ex-wife can teach here and then come back as a department head. Like she had really thought about every mm-hmm. single scenario. So that just showed me how much she cared and really had thought about this conversation,
0: yeah, yeah. it was so funny. Like that conversation like really made me cry, and I'm sitting here right now, and I'm getting teary, <laughs> like just thinking oh, about wow. it,
2: oh, oh wow it was
0: I just thought it was really powerful. and like, and then she says, you know, she realizes like he already knows what he's going to do. And she, she says that and he nods and he says, yeah, I do. And she said, well, I had to try. And she said, that's settled. Then we both go. But they ended on a little bit of a chuckle with because she says she should travel. And he says, oh, you mean like eat, pray, love style? And she says, no, more like drink, sleep, fuck style.
1: Nice. <laughs> I Which was- she did in Amsterdam. Hello.
0: Okay. Well, she did the drink and sleep. Oh, she didn't actually sleep with the guy.
1: Oh, she didn't sleep with the guy? Mm -mm. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one thing that was really cool here, and again, just never know if this is intentional or, you know, I kind of feel like it probably is, but they're seated in seats 152 and 153. Mm. And this is just really fascinating. So Ted is in seat 152. And so the number 152 symbolizes the closing of old phases and paving the way for new beginnings to positively help affect your life. It also carries a message of believing in yourself, focusing on your dreams, and cultivating a better understanding of the world. Wow. Isn't that crazy?
1: What about 153?
0: (laughs) And so then 153, the message is that exciting new changes are coming your way. And by focusing on your strengths and virtues, you'll achieve great things. Mm. And so I just thought that that was like so interesting, you know?
1: That's badass and so detailed. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both, you know, moving on to other things. And in a way, like it's sad, but it's also that's life, right? Like we Mm -hmm. make these choices and we do these things. And so I thought they really. Like, I, I really loved the conversation because it wasn't her saying that. And then him being like, okay, yeah, no, you know what I will say? Or, you know, like, it yeah. was like, no, yeah. like, I know this is what I need to do right now, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of Rebecca. And then we'll do the ending montage all as one piece so we can, like, yeah. close out everybody. But but let's move on to the team. Because the oh, do you not
1: want to talk about the Rebecca saying goodbye? At the airport? Yeah.
0: Oh, we can talk about that. That's fine. Go ahead.
1: Well, what, what did you think, first of all?
0: A, I think it's awesome that she bought her first class ticket I know, just that to was get a, through. That's a
1: lot. That's a lot.
0: All I could keep thinking as I watched that scene, though, is I was like, those tears have to be real. Like, I mean... Those I'm,
1: tears did look real.
0: Right? Like, that I was, feel like that was not acting. That was no, like, that was not acting. When she no. said thank you, like, I think she was genuinely, like, thanking Jason slash Ted, right? I agree. But again, I just thought it was really beautiful. She wasn't there to try to, like, you know, one last, like, let one me get One last, yep. It was just like, I wanted to say goodbye properly. And uh, I just, you know, and it's one of those things where it was like, there was nothing really left to say except thank
1: you. This is why I love the writing because yeah. they could have filled it with more words and you were thinking they were, because he's like, they say thank you at the same time. And they're like, no, no, you go. No, now you go. And the thank you, like the thank you acting Like you could feel the gravitas of each. Thank you. And then the hug. I mean, you know, and then he looks back. So you're thinking she might say one more thing and then she doesn't say that thing. So all of that was just awesome. I just thought all of that acting was just phenomenal. But then the other part for Rebecca was the fortune teller stuff potentially coming true because she leaves the airport. And some random girl is running up to her, and then falls. Mm -hmm. And then she helps her up. And it's the guy. It's Amsterdam guy. And he's a he's a pilot. (laughs) So it's just and she's going to be traveling anyway. She's got a first class ticket. So, you know, she wants to travel anyway. So you're like, oh, yes.
0: Well, she she's not actually using that ticket, right?
1: No, 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 no. But she but she's she's in travel mode. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, he just happens to be a pilot. How lucky. But yeah. So I just loved that.
0: Yeah. I, love I mean, I that. think that made a lot of people happy because we had been waiting for him to come back into the picture. Right.
1: And then you see him again. Yeah. During the montage. Yeah. Which That's... a part of me is wondering, was that real or not? Because did Ted just dream it? Because he did wake up. So you don't know. Right. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, you know, there were a lot of random stuff in that montage, but <laughs> If true, like, that's really special.
0: Yeah. Well, and so that little girl, it's the same little girl who was in the mirror in the International Break episode where Rebecca looks in the mirror and she sees, like, her inner child. Oh. It's the same little girl who played both parts. Yeah.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah. That's
1: fascinating. Yeah.
0: So I think that's kind of cool.
1: And one other random thing that she also saw was she saw one of her exes, the ex that she broke up with. He broke his nose during the match.
0: Oh, yeah. John Wings night. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So there's just like, again, so many full circle moments for her.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get back to the rest of her kind of ending in a bit. But so in terms of the team, we start out with the team and they're um, holding locker room court.
1: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Honorable Judge McAdoo. (laughs) And again, as a play guy, I just kept seeing attunement throughout the entire episode of yeah. people just literally playing, just and all in in the play. Everyone, yeah. you know, yeah. from them doing the court to them donating in the box, you know, just like all of it, all in, just yeah. willing to play and not willing to be judgmental. I just loved it.
0: Yeah. Well, and so it's kind of a callback to the Christmas episode where he was Santa
1: up there, right? Mm -hmm. Like Santa McAdoo. And he was also, remember, he was haircut McAdoo too. He was
0: haircut McAdoo too. Uh, And now he's Judge McAdoo. And they're assessing fines for different things, which I thought was really funny. And so here we learn that Nate is back as not just the assistant kit man, but assistant to the kit man.
1: Assistant to the kit man. The wonderkin. (laughs)
0: <laughs> which is a nice little homage to the office, right? So Dwight Schreit's assistant to the regional manager. Right, right. And it's interesting. So online, there was like a lot of chatter. I was reading like people saying like, why why would he go back into that position? Like they should have made him a coach. He should have come back as head coach. He should have, you know, like all this stuff. And in going back to like assistant to the kitman was actually a downgrade. And what kept coming up for me as I was reading that stuff was that You know, we learned in that episode where he played the violin that he really wants to like enjoy what he's doing Mm -hmm. and the stress of, you know, managing a team and stuff like Mm -hmm. I don't that's not really his cup of tea, you know. And so I think coming back into that position, like he's happy, you know, like he was he was happy working at Taste of Athens, you know, he he didn't see that as like a step down. He just saw that as like I'm doing something That I feel good about. And so to me, like, that's what that was about. It's like, it's not that he, that they downgraded him or that he down. It's it's just, he's in this place where he's like, yeah, like, I, I just really want to be happy.
1: And also just, I want to be part of something bigger than me. Right. I want to be part of community. And also the other idea of like, if he's just coming back for the last few games, like or the last game, yeah, he wouldn't be put in a high position anyway. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like just the fact that he's like there as a consultant would be like a you know still a big deal. So I just love that he jo- Like it just shows his level of humility. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. after so long of being like, because remember when he was leaving, he was like, everyone's stealing my ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, and what how is Ted Ted just borrowing all my ideas and now. It doesn't really matter.
0: And taking credit for them. And
1: taking credit for him. And the fact that he brings out the box from f- the first season. Yep. And the mockery that he used to deal with with that box. And then all of a sudden he goes up to Tart, who used to mock that box. And instead, Tart donates even more money to the box. You're just like, talk about two people that have come full circle right two people that have totally changed who they are in the span of three seasons that was just i found that probably one of my most powerful parts to just watch tart and nate right next to each other
0: oh for sure and not only does he put in the extra money but he he says like don't tell anyone i did you know And that that's so different from what Jamie was before, where he wanted everyone to know everything he was doing. And it's interesting because someone pointed out that like he in season one, he's wearing the icon hat, right? Because he really thought he was the icon. But now he's wearing the i cog. So i comma C O G. Oh,
2: interesting. And
0: he sees himself now as a cog in this machine of Richmond total football, right? And nice. even the, the announcers at one point talk about how he's a cog in this machine or whatever, you know? And so it's like those kinds of shifts that have happened, which are huge. I mean, they're, they're really huge. But the fees themselves were pretty funny. So we've got Jan Maas late for training, 200 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> Danny Rojas for not texting happy birthday to a teammate, 100 pounds, which he tried to object to. And then Nate... For missing every match, training, and meeting, 5,000 pounds. And he was. I like, love that, I like, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because And also, him. he got
1: paid so much money so yeah, he exactly. could afford five grand. Oh, like, sure. whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But yeah, like he was a part of the team again, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was really
1: nice. And that provided the open bar and live band karaoke. That's, that's very key. <laughs> very key.
0: I wish we would have gotten to see that. And so then on the pitch for training Ted, you know, looks at Roy and he's like, "Yeah, you can go ahead and end it." You know, he and Beard didn't want to make a big deal about it being their last training. <laughs> and Roy just kind of looks at both of them and he's like
1: and gives him a pat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so the team sings So Long Farewell, right? Which is the title of this episode, and then also a song from The Sound of Music.
1: Such an awesome song originally, but even better even yeah. better done by the team.
0: Yeah, it was really adorable. And I don't know if you noticed, but Roy singing along again.
1: I know, quietly.
0: Yeah, but it it does give you the sense that he chose the song because we heard a few episodes ago that he had a thing for Julie Andrews in a sound of music. Oh, wow. so, so it's, it's very likely that he chose the song and then trained these guys to do this. Right.
1: And this is the second dance they've done because remember they did the bye, bye, bye dance. Yeah. But what was that for? I forgot what that it was. was. It was because
0: for... Dr. Sharon was leaving.
1: Oh, right. And right, so they were right. they were
0: going to do it, but then they didn't get a chance to do it, they didn't right? get a they, chance to do it. Yeah. And then in season one, they didn't do a dance, but they did the high boss where they all laid down on the field.
1: Yeah, I remember and that. And so, yeah.
0: yeah, so they've done something kind of big each season. And I love that Will's got this huge boombox up like John Cusack and say anything, right? Yep. Yep. Because in the bye-bye-bye, he just had it. He was holding his iPhone up.
1: Right. Like the boombox. Right. But now he's fully committed. Even the Kit Man's fully committed. He was even fully committed to calling order when Judge McAdoo was in session.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I love that it's not just the team. Like by the end of the song, everyone is waving. Like all the fans Mm -hmm. who are now regulars at the training practice. Like Uh, they're there to watch. And all of them are standing up, they're waving. (laughs) <laughs> and then I see you see Beard wipe the tears from his eyes. And Ted just says, that was perfect. And everyone just goes nuts. They go
1: and- that was, they go nuts, nuts. Like yeah, you could clearly see that this was like a cathartic moment for a lot of a lot of them, a lot of the actors, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was really even cute.
1: Trent went crazy. And I was like, what is Trent doing? I love how fun trent has become
0: i know right it's like yeah it's like he's more in his skin than he ever was you know ever
1: was yeah ever was
0: yeah and so then we get to the big game and we initially find out that the team was founded in 1897 and since Mm -hmm. then they've been a picture of mediocrity Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so to your point about like the guys from the pub like being so happy to see a win you know like if this is how their team has played this whole time then that Is a huge, huge deal, right? And so in those kind of opening shots, as we see all the like people coming to the stadium and all of that, we see a lot of old characters come back, right? A lot
1: of lot of characters.
0: Yeah. So we saw Shannon and she we didn't see her much this season at all, I think. And so it was good to see her back.
1: Wait, the doctor? You're talking about the doctor?
0: No, Shannon, the girl who used to play soccer with Ted.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yep. Yep.
0: We see the wanker guy and it looks like he may be with his grandson or something. Yeah. John Wings Night and his fiancee. Yep.
1: Not barely getting a ticket. You know, yeah.
0: Yep. And then getting, you know, his nose broken. And somehow he ended up with Zorro's mask, like the clear mask. Yeah. <laughs> we got the old couple from the rom com episode from season two. Oh
2: yeah.
0: Colin's boyfriend. He picks up his ticket as Winona Judd. Yep. (laughs) And then we've got Michelle and Henry watching with her boyfriend, Jake. Jake. Yeah. Like who could, who Who does not not care. Yeah. He does not care at all. And you can tell she's a little bit annoyed.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you've got Dr. Sharon, who's watching from some hotel room somewhere. Wearing a Dallas
1: Cowboys (laughs) shirt. (laughs) I couldn't. I didn't know what that reference was, but I was like, "Oh, a little Dallas Cowboys." Okay, that's funny. The other part I will say that I really loved was the three fan, the three uh, gentlemen fans mm-hmm. that were there earlier. I love that the most vocal one was like, "Well, what will we do if they win?" Yeah, we have nothing to aspire to. Nothing to aspire to. There's nothing more. And I was like, "That is so real for <laughs> sports fans, where they're like their whole life they've just been dreaming about this that." Like, this is where all the meaning has come from. So I love that May then challenges him. Well, then go find someone and settle down. He's like, nah. Boring.
2: So,
0: yeah, that was good. All right. So then you've got the guys all in the, all the coaches gathered in the office. And Ted's still going on about that same, you know, I can't believe like the Champions League and Championship League and this and that. And then Nate comes in. It is
1: confusing. It is quite confusing. It is
0: kind of confusing. There's yes.
1: so many leagues. It's kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And also the names, like some are similar and then it doesn't really make sense. Like why, if you're downgraded, you're in the champ, like champions? Yeah. champions. Like
1: Wrexham's in the champions league.
0: Now, because they moved up.
1: Yeah. But yeah. they're not in the, well, they're champ- in the championship. They're in the championship. But league. not
0: the champions. But league. no,
1: but no, but you gotta, you gotta get yeah. to the top level and then, hopefully play internationally in the champions league. So it's very confusing.
0: It is very confusing, but then Nate comes by to wish everyone good luck. And it was just like this, like his normal awkward self again, right? Like where he's trying to like trying to wish them luck, but then trying to explain his explanation and
1: then not cursing them. And then being like, I hope I didn't curse you. Yep.
0: Yeah. And then Higgins is there and comments on how, Oh, this feels really familiar. Mm-hmm. And Trent right away is like, oh, well, let me let me give you all a chance to let me step out and give you guys a chance to catch mm-hmm. up. And I love that uh, he's like, Ted says, oh, Trent House magazine,
1: Trent House magazine.
0: <laughs> uh uh-uh. And he's now a part of he's now a Diamond Dog. So he
1: even does the poodle Diamond Dog because yes. he's such uh, such a poodle. like.
0: <laughs> but the big news here is that Roy actually asks to become a Diamond Dog
1: look at that look at that
0: yeah yeah which earlier in the episode he was like nope 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 yep and now he like asked them and and i love that they all take the original seats like yep. you know higgins is on the windowsill and nate clears off the bookshelf that he used to sit on and you know and then roy says right like i've i've spent the past year busting my ass trying to change but i haven't because i'm still mm. me and Ted says, well, did you want to be someone else? And he says, yeah, someone better. Mm. And then asks the question about, can people change? And it's just interesting to see all of their responses, right? So Trent yeah. says, you know, I don't think we change as much as we learn to accept who we've always been.
1: Which is interesting that Trent says that, right? Why? Why? Because Trent thinking about, you know, coming out, yeah. right? the yeah. whole coming out story and him also just accepting himself. Exactly. The, the vulnerable Trent self, the one that's willing to even hand draft copy to be criticized. Right. Yeah. He seemed so vulnerable during that time and being like, I just hope you like it. Right. Yeah. So that answer was, yeah, very yeah. relevant. And then yeah. Nate.
0: Yeah. And so then Nate is in a different place. Right. So Nate mm-hmm. says, well, I think people can change. And then he acknowledges sometime for the worse and sometimes for the better. Right. And then Roy says, well, I'm still the same fucking idiot. I've always been. And Ted says, well, agree to disagree. Like you piped up and actually asked to be a diamond dog. Yeah. And then that's when we heard beard talk about, you know, change isn't about trying to be perfect because perfectionism sucks and our perfection sucks. Perfect is boring. And then they give him, you know, like all the different like lists right. of perfect things. And then he says, well, perfection in people. Yeah. And then I think we get to the heart of it with Higgins' response, right? So human beings are never going to be perfect. The best we can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you
0: keep doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. And I think like that is like at the heart of all of this, right? All of,
1: the whole time they've been here, since exactly. the very beginning. Exactly. Even, even what Ted said to Trent in that Indian restaurant the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. And then reiterated by Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Later on it's just like trying to slowly help even them get a little better every day. And yeah. I think we would we as a people and we individually would be so much better if we spent more time acknowledging that in ourselves and in others.
0: Yeah. But that's the problem, right? Like we spend so much time trying to or or hiding behind this mask of perfectionism where we try to not be vulnerable. We try to, you know, not make it seem like we don't, especially if we're like leaders that we don't know the answer to something Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. But, and then because we do that and we hold ourselves to that standard, we hold everybody else to that standard. And so when they don't meet it, we get judgmental and we, you know, and it, and it, that's what starts to cause the problems. But so, yeah, like if we can, acknowledge like, Hey, I'm human. I'm not perfect. And I'm going to ask for help when I need it, because that's what you do instead of trying to like fake it or trying to do it on your own. You ask for help because there's people around you who maybe that's like what you need help with is the thing that they're actually really good at, you know? Yeah.
1: And what what's interesting about you saying that is, I think of all of the people that watched and criticized Lasso, Mm-hmm. is because they criticize because they almost wanted to put a perfectionist exactly lens
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the show. Yeah. As they were probably critical of themselves, they started being critical of the show. And it's just like, no, that's part of the prog mess of the show. The whole point is it's messy. Yeah. Right. And there are gonna be episodes you may not like as much, and it's not gonna satisfy you each and every time. But that's also part of the whole experience of it. It's just like ebbing and flowing. And I feel like the easier we can be on ourselves, the easier we can then be on everyone else. And I think the reason why you and I resonate is because we both came from that positive psychology like Mm -hmm. programming and and background where it is all about celebrating what's really good about people rather than being like, what's another thing that's wrong with you? Because exactly. the rest of psychology focuses on what's wrong. And we're like, let's focus on what's going really well. You and know? then
0: build on that.
1: And build on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's just something about this idea, right? Like we talked about, I think it was the last episode about Roy being stuck and how often because of these stories that we tell ourselves about Mm -hmm. how terrible we are and like we get down on ourselves because we messed up or we had to ask for help or whatever we stay stuck in that loop right and it's not a fun place to be and so this idea of recognizing our own humanity and then asking for you know being in community with other people because mm-hmm. we as human beings we need that as well right we're connected for hardwired for connection and so doing those two things like it allows us to get unstuck and yeah and keep moving forward so that we're not just like in this place of misery all the time and so yeah. i just it was such a beautiful way of explaining it though
1: yeah it it's interesting how you say it because i'm like the more you focus on being stuck, the more you're stuck. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. it's as if you're like walking up a mountain and you're like, man, I have so much more to go. And then you're just sitting, you're just standing there just being like, well, let me count how many more steps I need to do rather than just being like, let me just do one. I'm just let me just do this one.
2: Or looking and back me, to be like,
1: oh, yeah, far and look, comes. exactly. And look at that. Yeah, look far. celebrate what I've done so far and mm-hmm. then just focus on the next one. Rather than constantly being, yeah. And I feel like that a lot of times we get it's part of the capitalistic patriarchal stuff of like, you know, well, you have so much far further to go, you know? Yeah. And that's again, also, that is the process of like not being present, right? Like not Mm -hmm. having joy in the moment, right? I think what's so magical about this season and probably all three seasons with Ted was people were enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. And even if it's ending, there's something magical about the fact that it's ending and there's something feeling grateful about it rather than the whole time being like, well, you know, this is eventually going to end. So let's just, you know, mm-hmm. like allowing yourself to feel the all of the emotions throughout the entire adventure.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, yeah, so they end it there and... They all start barking and Roy gives a rough rough. That was cute. And then he asks, Does anyone else want to go? And I love that Nate then chimes in and says that he now has a girlfriend and everyone's so mm-hmm. happy for him. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and she is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I thought that was really sweet.
1: That is so sweet.
0: Yeah. All right. So then there's just all kinds of mayhem going on, right? Rupert runs into George Cartwright, who is now the coach of West Ham or the manager of West Ham.
1: The balls guy. The balls guy. With his, with his short shorts.
0: Yep. Which we saw in the very first episode, right? When Rebecca fired him because he was the coach of for Richmond. Mm-hmm. And so he then goes up to the box and and I loved like Rebecca. She just, she was so just hurt. She was just like,
2: Grounded. Couldn't be,
0: yeah. Yeah. Grounded. Exactly. You know, she kisses him below and then she's just in that space where she's got like the broadened viewpoint too. Right. Yeah. Where She's like, you're such a lucky man. And yeah. you see him kind of like, like what? And yeah. he says, I mean, no matter what happens today, a team that you love wins. And in his eyes, like, that's not a, you know, first of all, like he, he too did what he did to get back at her. Uh huh. And he's still in that place of just Uh wanting to win. And then you see Sassy. Uh huh.
1: And
0: Sassy's not as generous as Rebecca.
1: No, still Sassy.
0: Still Sassy. But yeah, I loved, you know, I heard the news. Looks like you're going to lose another team. You go through them like wives or mistresses, mistresses or tubes of hemorrhoid cream. I wish you the best because you are the fucking worst. You are the
1: <laughs> like, fucking worst. I just love that. Such good writing. Yeah. And and there was this other moment that I noticed, you know, where Rupert turns to his like crew of West Ham people, I guess, or whatever, yes, people mm. that he had brought. And he was just like, oh, this is where all the beautiful people are. And they all laugh. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, I felt sad for him. It mm. just seemed. So lonely, you know, like that. He has so much power, all this stuff. And he's just so disconnected from his own humanity. Mm -hmm. And he just looked angrier than I have ever seen him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he proceeds to get angrier as the game goes on. Right. Like he has his moments where he's happy when they score and whatnot. But We've got like the team initially. So before the the game, Will brings in a care package for them from Zava.
1: Oh my gosh, forgot about us. The
0: massive avocado. It
1: seems so long ago now. Like I I feel like it was another season with Zava.
0: I know, right? Yeah. And then Danny gives Van Damme a new gift, which I mean a gift which is a new mask. And so now he looks like a superhero. And he switches from Van Damme to Zorro, not Zorro, but Zorro. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of name switching.
0: It's a lot of names. I don't even know what his
1: first name is now. What was his first name? See, that's a good
0: question. Oh My
1: goodness, we're going to have to look that up. We'll look it yeah, up.
0: I don't know. And then beards at the board. And I know like I kind of paused it because I was curious, what he was writing up there and they had the three pillars of the Richmond total football. But they had it as like these little people, you know, and Mm -hmm. so like awareness and versatility were holding hands and that equals like leads to conditioning or something like that. But Beard was writing fourth thing question mark because they never came up with what the fourth thing was. right? right? And then there's no pep talk from Ted because he's tapped out. But Beard Beard makes a, a motivating video and I'm putting motivating in air quotes but we see that it's actually like, it's so sentimental and so everyone's good. like in tears.
1: So, it's right? so good though. It's so good. All yeah. the best parts, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know it really kind of warmed my heart as I was watching all those. Scenes oh my was, goodness. Yeah. The
1: Christmas yeah. episode, McAdoo running and having fun. That's when Roy left the press box. Like, yeah, Just like, Nate leaping into Ted's arms like all of them. But I think
0: that some of those scenes were actually the guys like outside of act like when they were out on their own, not like as part of the show.
1: Yeah. Like the one like where they're at
0: the amusement park on the water ride and stuff. Because these guys hang out together all the time.
1: And so. Or even the conga line. There was the conga line. No, the the conga conga.
0: line. We didn't see it initially. But but remember when Ted showed Beard the video of Nate hiding?
1: Oh, they did. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Nice. 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 Yeah. But there were so many in there that I have to like rewatch that part because I I loved it so much. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And so then we get to the game itself and or the match itself. And West Ham scores twice in the first half.
1: Wait, but before that, they were crying during the lineup.
0: Yeah, during the lineup. Yep. And so at the half, when they go back in, we finally get Ted's final monologue. Right. Mm. And what I noticed is that he's wearing the same shoes he wore in season one, episode 10, which is Mm. the red. I think they're Nike's. And that's when he talks to the team about, you know, it's okay to be sad as long as mm-hmm. we're not alone and nobody here is alone and that kind of thing. And the red shoes, I think, are a reference to the ruby red slippers that Dorothy wears in mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz, right? Because there's a lot of Wizard of Oz references. And so he's just kind of thanking them. You know, it's an honor, it's been an honor to be your coach. Thank you for your mm-hmm. patience. You know, I didn't know anything about soccer. And now I know at least one thing about football. Proud to be a part of this team. And then, you know, regarding the second half, I don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. We don't want to know the future. We want to be here right now. And so we've talked about this theme in the past, right? Like this theme of being here now in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And then he says, but, you know, if you all play hard, play smart and play together, and then he turns around to look at where the belief sign used to be, right? And it's not there anymore, but. He says, just do what you all do and we'll go with peace of mind knowing we did our best and that we tried. And then he says, does anyone else want to say something? And then, oh my God, that magical moment, right? Mm -hmm. Of everyone, like they've all been carrying it with them, pieces of Mm -hmm. the sign, right? Yeah. And it was just so beautiful how they like brought it all together and-
1: And carrying it in different places, Yes. different parts of you know some of them like in their jerseys some of them in books they or journals like it was yeah it was just so beautiful
0: yeah and jamie pulls it out of the book and the book that he has is the beautiful and the damned which was the book that ted had originally given him Mm. back in season one that he had thrown away Mm. and so we see now that he's reading it again and stuff and so that's kind of nice but yeah it was just oh my gosh it was It was really lovely. And then how the team all works together to put it back together, right?
1: And that that a talk about play, right? Like they're already playing. They've been playing the whole time. The McAdoo, all you know, the judging, all that stuff. And again, in the middle of one of the most important games of their whole life, they're making a puzzle together.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, they should be talking strategy. They should be doing all these focused things. And instead they're playing and becoming attuned with each other. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't give credit for that magic, that unsaid magic Mm -hmm. of, of doing something together collectively. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just so beautiful. When they put their hands together and they say, you know, one, two, three, AFC Richmond, and they lift it up and you see the sign. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of Kintsugi. Well,
0: I was going to mention this afterwards, but I don't know if you noticed, but Nate actually glued the sign together back with gold glue.
1: Oh, it's the gold glue. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we got that reference back to Kintsugi.
1: Yeah. Love it. I love it.
0: And Ted says, so there it is, number four, believe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the fourth part of their total football. And so now, you know, they're back together as a unit. They're out there and we hear from the announcers, like, this is the fun, like the fun, like we're seeing them having fun.
2: We're enjoying,
0: yeah. you know, mm-hmm. watching them. And Rupert is just like boiling, Livid. right? Yeah. And he wants to, he wants George to Mark Jamie to to take him out.
1: Yeah. But even before that, right, is like they keep missing at the very beginning of the second half. Everything's yeah. hitting off the post. And then Jamie makes this unbelievable shot into the top left-hand corner. Yeah. Right? So that's already happened. But then MacAdoo, MacAdoo, MacAdoo. Is it McAdoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MacAdoo, Jamie gets the penalty shot. And then Rojas is supposed to take it. Well, Jamie was supposed to take it, but then Rojas was like, no. And then Rojas was like, no, I'm going to give it to McAdoo, who's never taken a penalty shot in his life. Which
0: it, I mean, that part, I like, it's lovely, <laughs> but I also feel like in a game this important, in a game like- this important. Yeah,
1: but you got to trust. You got to trust your yeah. instincts, right? You got to trust yeah. your instincts. Yeah. So McAdoo well, and lines he
0: tries up. to he tries to give it to Colin and Colin's tries like, to just to take Colin. it, man. Yeah. Right. Colin's like, just, just take, take it. it have have fun.
2: Yeah.
1: And then McAdoo misses. And we're like, oh, my gosh, why did and talk about great writing because it was just like, oh, that's so smart. McAdoo misses. OK, I guess they'll just recap it. And then they're like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> and then they go back. To the replay, and you see that it went through the net and he tore the net and then smashed it into Rebecca's ex's face. Yeah. And you're just like, of course, that would be how McAdoo would shoot a penalty shot. Yeah. That's the only way he would. And yeah. that's when that's when Rupert was livid. That's when he was just like, ah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's funny because um Henry, you know, they're watching back in Kansas and there's a callback to the episode. I can't remember which episode it was, but Keely, when somebody gets fouled, Keely's like,
2: referee.
0: And Henry does it exactly like she did.
1: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so then they get that second goal. And Rupert goes down, starts yelling at Cartwright. And to George's credit, which I was kind of like surprised in a way, but where he says, like, no, like, we're, well, yeah. we're not going to play that way, you know?
1: Yeah. That was really surprising.
0: Yeah. And talk about like, so what, like what was fascinating is where like the shift that's happened, right? Which the first time Ted came out on the pitch, everyone was yelling wanker at him. Yep. And now we've got the shift where Rupert's leaving. Everyone's yelling at him. And this is, this is his team. Like he has loved this team his whole life. These fans have loved him. Like when we think back to that gala episode, episode four, I think right, where Rebecca says like, everyone just loves him. Like, doesn't matter what he does. They love him. And now everyone has turned on him because they see like what he really is. Right. And Ted told her that at that time, like you may think you're the only one who sees it. Right. But like, eventually people do see it.
1: And he's worked his whole life to craft a certain image. Mm hmm. And then he lost it all in the span of, what, a week yeah. from him cheating to this to him coming down on the pitch, which frankly also was like, what's the point of you coming down to the pitch? Like, what, yeah. what were you trying to accomplish? Like, yeah, you know, he could even call down if he wanted to, but he just so badly wanted control. And this exactly. ties into the whole perfection thing. Mm-hmm. He's so badly not about progress. He's so badly about perfection all the time yeah. that he freaking loses it, dude. And yeah. and then he gets kicked out of the league. Yeah. It's like kicked out of the league. Yeah. So now it's like, it's, he's all alone, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And I love that Ted and Cartwright have a little moment of acknowledgement, yep. right? After Rupert leaves.
1: Because I actually thought Cartwright was going to leave, quit right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so then when West Ham scores the next goal, I love that it's Ted who realizes that the guy was offsides, like
1: there was someone offsides, right? Which like he understands offsides, he yeah. finally understands, which is amazing because no one else picks it up except for him. That is yeah. beautiful. And then he gets paid for it. He, yeah. he wins a bet. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was funny. And then we get a call back to Nate's play from season one, right? And so Ted's trying to mime to Jamie. Because at the time he had said, you need to sell it like, like, you know, like you're getting an SB or, you yep. know, it has to be SB worthy or whatever. Yep. And they understand what he's saying. And so Jamie like does it beautifully and, and they're able to score and win. And just to see like everyone like go bonkers, you know, I, it was so lovely. So Michelle and Henry, Jake, not into it at all,
1: not into it at all.
0: Sharon jumping on her bed in the hotel, Wings Knight has now like got the things up his nose and the yeah. Zorro mask on Nate and Ted hug again. Right. So it's the same, yep. like the way that he was in that picture. Fans start to storm the pitch and we see Colin finally gets May, to kiss.
1: May in the bar. The bar is going crazy. The bar is
0: going crazy. Colin finally gets to kiss his fella on yeah. the pitch. Right.
1: Yes. I love that.
0: But, oh, uh, the part that really got me though was when Keely says to Rebecca, look what you did, Rebecca. And she says, I didn't do anything. And they're like, yes, you did, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think like that, oh gosh, like it just was so, I think a lot, like I've noticed this when I, in the past, like when I've won an award or when I've gone to award ceremonies at my, at my work, right? Like, I think there's something about when you're a part of a team and you Mm -hmm. feel like you're a part of it there's this humility that's built in somehow Mm -hmm. to where you don't, you don't feel like you need to take credit for anything, you know? And it just, it becomes this thing of like, well, no, it's not me. Like it's, and, you know, and granted, like she, she brought Ted out for the wrong reasons, but then by the end of season one, she kept him on for the right reasons Mm -hmm. in a way. Right. And then like, of course she still wanted to destroy Rupert up to a certain point, but like, But she did choose to keep him on, even though like the first season ended. So, you know, like they lost and they got relegated and all of that. But she chose to keep him there. And and so there were elements of things that she had done. But yeah, like this was everyone coming together to make this happen, right?
1: Yeah. There's something also beautiful. If we can just go back to the the last play, which I loved so much, right? Mm -hmm. There's something full circle about this the last play, right? Was it Colin that crossed it? Was it Colin? Or was it Bumper Catch? I think it was Colin. But either way, like, I love that they sold it as Jamie. And Jamie really did sell it. He was just mm. like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Because that was Jamie first season. Yeah. So selfish. So, like, making it about me. Right. Yeah. And pulled so many people because he was so loud about it. You know, Obasayan, who at one point was, like, not even considered that good of a player. Um, and then all of a sudden he's the one that's going to get the ball.
0: I think it is Bumbercatch
1: actually. And Bumber catch is the one that yeah. cross. Bumbercatch yeah. is the one that crosses it to him. Yeah. And then I just love that as he's putting it in the bottom left-hand corner. Ted goes barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. you gotta love the dart barbecue sauce callback. Yeah. Like just yeah. so good, so yeah. good. Yeah, and confident. Confident in that grounded way, like even how he said it, barbecue sauce was the same grounded way of like, oh, I'm going to win this. Like, mm-hmm. but also I'm I also I kind of also let go of the results if we don't win this. Yeah, there's something powerful about that. That's the power that I feel Rebecca is walking with as well. Like, regardless of whatever happens, my value is not tied to the outcome of this game. Exactly. Right, or not Tied to the outcome of any of this stuff. Right. It's all exactly. something extra. And that is what I found so magical, even as everyone is celebrating. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Because they're not only just celebrating the fact that they win, because in the end, they didn't win the championship. Right. But they're just celebrating the fact that they're all there together. You know, and that part is what I found so powerful about everyone storming the pitch. I wanted to storm the pitch.
0: I know. I know. You know, And then we get a call back to episode one again with Ted actually doing his dance on the pitch, right? Like that we the running man. Yeah.
2: And the dances
1: he used to do on SNL. Those are the dances from (laughs) that SNL. Exactly. From that skit. I forgot what the skit is called. It was the one with Kenan
0: Thompson. Oh, oh what's up with
1: that? What's up? What's with that?
0: up with that?
1: What's yeah. up with that? Yeah. What's up with that? Oh, I love that.
0: <laughs> but that was how we first met Ted as well, right? Was through the Sports Center.
1: Yep, doing the Running Man.
0: Yeah. So for that, his
1: random college team. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was really nice. All right, let's talk about Keely Roy and Jamie because.
2: <laughs> oh man, this
0: is like. So we got the callback of Roy sneaking up on Keely in the parking lot, right? That was like how they originally started talking. And so Keely and Jamie, like, Jamie says, you know, like, I, well, first of all, Keely is there to drop off presents for Ted and Beard. And then she goes in the locker room again. Call back to episode one where she covers her eyes and goes in, yep. and you know, is everyone decent? But you see the the shift also, right? Because now she's like she's an actual member of the team as well, and she reminds them, "You've got this extra press session, and you're all legends." And and so then Jamie goes after her to invite her to come to Brazil as her public as his publicist um, for a Nike ad, and and then they hug, and then when they part, we see Roy standing there. Mm. And so then he follows Jamie to the locker room and invites him out for a beer. And it's like the calmest I've ever because he doesn't yell mm-hmm. at him or anything. He's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, Jamie." And then we see Nate come by, and he's like, "Oh, you guys are friends now." And and Jamie kind of thinks about it. And he's like, "Yeah, like I guess we are." And and Nate's like, "Oh, that's wonderful."
1: And he's like, "That's mint. That's, that's mint. mint.
0: Yeah." And so then we've got Jamie and Roy when they go to the pub and I love that Roy tells him how proud he is of the work he's put in mm-hmm. and Jamie like genuinely thanks him for his help. But this whole thing was really kind of shitty too because it was a setup for Roy to bring up Keely <laughs> and to tell cuz he saw where it was going and right. and to say like you need to step off. And Jamie just is like no. No. <laughs> You know, I know in my heart that Keely and I are supposed to be together. Right. And then Roy like tells him, oh, well, we were together a month ago. And then Jamie, like you can see him like thinking it through. And then he says, well, that video that got leaked was for me. And then we cut to Keely's house. At- so,
1: oh, so it gives it gives off the vibes of them at season one when yeah. they were sitting next to each other and barely could speak to one another
0: oh you mean oh at the um, gala at the at the gala yeah
1: yeah at the yeah, gala. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was like yeah. oh are they going back to that yeah. like oh this is interesting yeah Talk about prog mess
0: yeah and so then they come to Keeley's house she opens the door they've clearly been fighting and then we see them at the table so again that's a callback right like when Jamie yeah. comes to her in the last episode of season one and they're both at the table. But now they're explaining to her that they had a fight about her. And you hear her, she says, Please don't say it. <laughs> and then yeah. they say that she gets to pick which one, and then they'll be fine with whatever she decides. And you can tell that in the moment, they genuinely are like really proud of themselves. For they are. They, they, coming they, they up think with this they've solution. made progress.
1: They right? think they've made a lot of progress.
0: And she's pissed. She throws them out. And
1: But she first says to them, She's just like, Oh, I get to pick. Yeah. And they did not pick up on that at all. They were like, yeah, yeah. Look, we're really nice. Yes, you get to pick between us.
0: Yeah. And then they as soon as they're out, though, they realize like, you know, Roy's like, oh, my God, we're fucking idiots. And Jamie's like, yeah,
1: that's some like toxic masculine BS right there. Yeah. But what I also love about Keely, and maybe this is partly rubbing off from Rebecca, also super grounded. Mm -hmm. so grounded so in her elements so comfortable that she's like no
0: (laughs) yeah and so i read a lot of people saying like oh you know i can't believe they like resorted to this like these characters had developed their relationship and they'd like come so far and this and that and what it made me think about though was that it's again this idea that this work in progress that mm-hmm. for every two steps we take forward, mm-hmm. we inevitably take a step backward mm-hmm. and that's a part of the process. But yep. again, like they recognize like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we really screwed this up, you know? And so it's this idea that like we can continue to grow, but like growth is not easy and we will oftentimes like fall back again. And when yep. we do, that's the most important time to like keep Going, like, don't just stop there and get stuck, but like, you know, recognize again that you're human, you're not perfect, you're gonna make mistakes, and then ask for help, which Roy did because then he went to the Diamond Dogs, right? Yep, and then like keep moving forward. Anyway, so I thought that that was kind of cool.
1: Oh, I love that. I thought it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and then so then let's talk about Nate. So, the one scene like that we really see with Nate is He's in the locker room late at night Mm -hmm. and Ted pops in, right? And I thought this was a really beautiful scene too. Very touching. And Ted says, I was trying to come in soft like a cotton ball. And Nate's just been staring at where the belief sign used to be. And he tries to apologize. And Ted says, you know, I know. And he says, no, please let me say this. And he just like this heartfelt sorry. And he just like, Mm -hmm. you know, crumbles into his arms and cries And then, you know, Ted tries to like make him feel better and says, well, you know, it's funny. You only tore it up once. I ripped it down and tore it up twice. So you you were already in the clear. But I tell you what, when I look up there, I still see it. Mm. And I just, I like, I thought like that, you know, it was a really nice scene between the two of them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Again, like I would have liked to have seen more in the lead up to that moment (laughs) in the last few episodes, but I'm glad that they got that moment to like, you know, that where he actually got to say the thing. And then when the team was putting the sign back together, they had another moment at that point, right? Where they look at each other and they have this moment of like, that it's always been there. It's, you know, like whether it's, you know, and I just, that it was really, I thought it was really nice the way
1: that they did that. I think also there's something magical about the fact that like, it can never fully be destroyed, right? Mm -hmm. Like it Mm -hmm. you can always you can always come back. And as I was thinking about it for Nate, Nate's been in that locker room more than anyone else.
2: Mm-hmm. If you
1: think about it from yeah. like his kit man days of folding clothing and doing all that to So, so for him to be like sitting in there again and, and also even being allowed to be back in there, mm-hmm. you know, the last, like, if you think about that, the last time he was in that space before he was hiding. Mm-hmm. And he was full of shame. So there's just so many different emotions that Nate has experienced specifically in that locker room, from like tearing up the sign to a you know, to screaming at Ted to having an epiphany. Well, he's had many epiphanies, but I was gonna say when he went crazy and screamed at the team, but actually that was at Liverpool. But there's so many, so much progress is so I feel like he was not only just looking at where that sign could have been, but almost like reflecting on all of the experiences he had in that place. Mm -hmm. And I think there was also a certain level of gratitude that he was like allowed to be back in there. For sure. And then, and then to watch the sign being put back together was almost like him being put back together, Mm -hmm. like a part of him and a part of his soul and, and almost the connection between Ted and him being put back together when that sign was getting arranged again. So that was magical.
0: Yeah, it was really magical. And the whole time, like Ted is not looking at the team that's doing this amazing thing because in a way it's like, it's the culmination of everything he's been working towards. Mm -hmm. Like he's done the thing he needed to do. He's instilled this in his people, right? And so when he's looking at Nate and, and you're right, Nate's having like all these different emotions, right? There's shame, there's regret, there's all of this. And and so from Ted, there's there's just this sense of forgiveness and love. And so it's it's really like it was such a powerful moment that they shared without any words being exchanged. And mm-hmm. so, again, like we've talked about this before in terms of like acting, you know, yeah. they both convey so much in just those little facial expressions. And it's really quite beautiful, you know. Yeah. So I I really loved that. All right. So then let's talk about our closing montage because we've got a lot of people here. First of all, what I really loved was <laughs> that at the airport, the so sorry, not this is even before the the montage, but the newspapers, that was a really clever way for the the writers to tell us like how everyone's story is wrapped up, right? Mm-hmm. So in the sun, we see Mannion is out after pushing George down we also see lust conquers all welcomes west ham whistleblower so miss cakes is going to be on lust conquers all which is the show that jamie had been on oh nice and then in the sun we also see mannion's ex bex inks book deal on placenta recipes so bex is like doing her own thing and then in the everyday independent we learned that rebecca has actually stayed and sold 49% of the club to the fans.
1: I love that. Which I That's thought was beautiful. great.
0: Yeah. And then Entrepreneur Magazine shows a star fucker is born. Shandy find the brains behind the hottest new dating app. So Shandy, Shandy ended doing, up, her like, thing. doing her thing. But there was a little thing in there that said Jack Danvers is no longer daddy's little girl. So that was Jack Healy's oh. ex. And then we learned that Zoro has a summer job. So it says that he is going to star in a John Claude Van Damme remake of Escape to Victory, which is that soccer movie that we talked about in season one, I think, uh-huh. where um, I mentioned that the players that were on the whiteboard were actually like characters from that movie. And then Zava is on there, Striker Heads to LA FC. And then his quote is they love avocados out there. And then there's a little piece about the quiet genius of Leslie Higgins. So I love that. Like they just wrapped up like where everybody's at. And then Ted runs into the ussy guy again. So call back to Old season circle. one, season two. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we learned that man city actually won their game. So they won the title. And it's interesting because I, I kind of like this because again, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, what we would typically see in a show like this, mm-hmm. which is that they go and they do win and all that stuff. Like, they they did win. And like you mm-hmm. talked about, they won in so many different ways and it wasn't necessarily about this one piece of it. And some people are saying, like, if there is going to be a fourth season that they now have something to work towards or whatever. But but yeah, I, I really like that. And then the ussy guy says wicked and Ted responds with kinky boots.
2: <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs>
0: All right. And we already talked about Ted and Rebecca at the gate, but then we cut to Ted in the plane and yeah. Beard is there. And that scene also just, yeah. Like what came up for you?
1: Well, because I mean, Beard has always been by his side and he's finally like, I'm in love with Jade and I need, even though that relationship is quite intense. And he's like, I, I, you know, need to abandon you. And Ted's like, you're not abandoning me. And he's like, I get it. And then he throws water on his face and I just loved I was like, what is he going to do? And that he's hes that's of course, he's willing to commit to pretending like his appendix has burst, even though he doesn't know which side his appendix yeah, is right. on. So <laughs> I just loved that. And then I love that even as he's being strolled away, the flight attendant was like, do you want to go with your friend? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. And he's like, what an arsehole. Like, well, like, oh, my, like, again, just misinterpreted. But yeah. Freeing Beard to pursue and be who he wants to be, which he's always wanted. Right. Beard has always wanted to escape the coop in in one way or another.
0: Yeah. And I love that. This is the first time we hear them say that they love each other. Right. And so he says, I love you, Ted. And he says, I love you too, Willis and Willis,
1: Willis, Willis. Beard.
0: The thing is, Ted has made a what are you talking about, Willis? joke in one of the previous seasons mm-hmm. and so we all just assumed it was like the whole different stress right. thing but that was actually his name That's <laughs> so, exactly his
1: name so you finally <laughs> found out his name what a great drop at the end there
0: yeah and then ted opens keely's gift and it's a richmond snow glow, which i thought was nice we already talked about rebecca and the dutchman so trent crim right so trent crim gave his like his galleys to Ted and Beard to review Beard sends his back, like all tabbed up Mm -hmm. and like a ton of feedback. And Ted just says, you know, good job. I loved it. And with only one suggestion is to change the title. It's not about me. It never was. Mm. And I just, uh, I thought that that was really cool too, because I think that's the other underlying piece of all of this is like, so much of our lives are like this, right? Like we are so much a part of other people's stories and it's not really about any one of us in particular, mm-hmm. right? It's the power of the collective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I love that, that when he finally publishes this book, it's called The Richmond Way.
1: Yes, right. And
0: the tagline is the unbelievable season of a Premier League underdog with a very brief forward by Roy Kent. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I thought that that was really
1: cute. I love that Beard had marked up so much of it like like my goodness while Ted really only had one thing to say about it right like one little tweak yeah yeah that was just so that was just so beautiful and the think that talk about where Trent was was at the beginning where he Mm. just was gonna just do this like torn up expose on Ted and then from there and he's liked him then but he had to fight him then yeah to now being like like in the trenches and being able to document all of that and frankly be like impacted directly by that. Yeah. I also just loved every time something magical happened and Trent was in the room for it. Yeah. That yeah. part was real. So, like when they were putting the believe sign, he like perks yeah. up, you know, yeah. every time, like every time this season. I felt more engaged because Trent was also in the room being like, this is another magical moment that you cannot plan, but it's happening at this moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun to watch his arc too over the three seasons, for sure. All right. So then Keeley, we see, is running her own agency, except now it's Mm -hmm. KBPR. So it's Keeley and Barbara public relations Hey, and it looks like she's brought back a lot of the old staff but now they're all sitting together in this open concept they're all smiling so much happier and then roy we find out roy is now the new head coach
1: which i loved i thought that was a perfect choice nate wouldn't have been a good choice yeah but i love that he's still there
0: yeah and then so we see him with beard and nate and (laughs) i think it's hilarious that he puts up phoebe's drawing of the breasts but he puts the tape over it, like Ted did on Jamie's locker, the picture of
1: Keeley. Like,
0: oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Wait, what What was that photo? What was that photo?
0: The one Roy put up? Yeah. Remember Phoebe, when he goes to talk to Phoebe's teacher and she says that she can't put up Phoebe's artwork because she's just been drawing women's oh, breasts.
1: That is, yeah. that was, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so he puts that up where the pyramid of success used to be.
1: <laughs> right. I love that. That's so royish. <laughs>
0: yeah, but I love that there's a sign from Phoebe saying good luck and a picture of her that's up. So that's kind of cute. And he starts seeing Dr. Sharon who is now head of mental right? health head of mental health and emotional well-being which I will say is my dream job, <laughs> but Right. But she's doing that for the team. And I notice that so then he picks up the little army man And I was trying to figure out, it looked like maybe it was like a radio operator or something. Mm. So I looked up that one, and that says that the radio operator is responsible for the maintenance of communication equipment. The equipment needs to work in order for the Army to detect movement of troops, job duties, performance maintenance of communication equipment, and security devices, prepare, transmit, receive, and record messages. And I was just kind of thinking about how... Roy really has to have his own stuff together in order yep. to know what to do for his team and to be able to communicate the way that they need him to. And so that that's what I took from that.
1: And I just love that he's going to Dr. Sharon. Like talk about, prog, talk about prog talk about progress. That's right? actually
0: progress.
1: Uh, right.
0: And then Nate, you know, so Nate's like in a good place. He's out with his family and Jade. He wrote up this very interesting thing and he talks about how in that scene, he's actually wearing the suit coat from Ted, but he's no longer beholden to Ted, right? And so he's only wearing the coat, not the whole suit. And he's just way more relaxed now. And he and his dad seem to be like in a better place. So that's kind of nice.
1: And he's eating at his favorite restaurant.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we see Nate gluing the belief sign together with the gold glue. So that's the Mm -hmm. Kintsugi, right? So Mm -hmm. that beauty and the imperfection. Sam makes the Nigerian national team,
1: which he wasn't supposed to.
0: Yeah. And then Jamie reconnects with his father, which I thought was really
1: sweet. That might have been one of my favorite parts that I did not expect. That was a surprise moment that I was like, oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good.
0: And then Higgins has a big barbecue and everyone's there, right? And so we see Richard has brought another date. So that's a callback mm-hmm. to Christmas. Roy and Jamie are hanging out. Keeley's talking to Phoebe. And then the Dutchman shows up with Rebecca and his daughter. Yeah. And his daughter and Phoebe seem to be friends now. So I yeah. thought that was cute. And also Rebecca is just super casual in how she's dressing now. Uh-huh. And she's back to that like flowy Amsterdam, you know, feeling. Danny's playing with either it's a super soaker or a Nerf gun again. So that's a callback to Christmas. And then we cut to the pub boys in May, and now they're all part owners of the team.
1: <laughs> they own one share, and May owns <laughs> like a so stack. many yeah. shares. Yeah, because May's business is doing gangbusters since they started playing well.
0: Exactly. And then May straightens the picture of Geronimo, which is an homage to the final episode of Cheers, where Sam did the same thing.
1: Oh wow! What a I just saw a clip of that episode. So interesting.
0: Yeah. And then for the team itself, Keely shows up with a proposal for a women's team.
1: That was awesome. Yeah. And they got all excited.
0: Yeah. And that made me think, I was like, is that what season four might be? About? Oh,
1: is that, uh, that's I don't know. I thought that'd be kind of cool. Interesting.
0: And then we see beard. So beard is marrying Jane who is now pregnant. So he's wearing the pants from beards night out. Yes. Right. He's being married by the drug-taking bus driver. Yep. <laughs> Roy is his best man.
1: I think they're at Stonehenge.
0: It looks like they're at Stonehenge, yeah. <laughs> Isaac and Colin are both crying, but their significant others are comforting them. Yep. <laughs> Danny is now part of a throuple.
1: Danny! Like, whoa, <laughs> Danny Rojas!
0: Which, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but there is a lot of talk about Jamie, Roy, and Keeley being a thruple.
1: Oh, and like,
0: I mean, like a lot of talk about this. Interesting. It's, it's very fascinating. And then the woman who gave Beard the pants in the Beards Night Out episode is there with her boyfriend, who was the, the big guy who brought him oh, his yeah. phone, right? And now they have a
1: baby. The one that's on the scooter. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 And so during the Reddit to ask me anything that Brendan Hunt did, you know, there was a lot of questions about why would Beard... Married Jane when their relationship was so toxic. And he says, I respectfully reject the assertion that Jane is abusive. They may be a little toxic, but as Ted says, their baggage goes together real nice.
2: Mm.
0: And then they feel like they are the right person for each other. Mm-hmm. And then he says, If I may speak for Jane and Beard more broadly, well, he talks about how, like, he was with a friend, and that when the friend said that they broke up, he immediately jumped in with like, Oh, thank God. Like everyone hated her and this and that. And then the friend said, but then we got back together. So, so he said, you know, it's, we don't know, like we only see a part of somebody's relationship. We don't see what's on the inside when it's just the two of them. And so he said, you know, what makes somebody happy? Like it may be that for now, like if beard is happy, like this is, yeah the right thing for him right now. It may not be for the long run, but like for now it's the right thing. Yeah. And then Ted. And so Ted lands in Kansas City. And to your question, was this all a dream or was it, did these things really happen? I think he touched on that, but I don't remember the answer that he gave about that. But I think it's meant to be left kind of vague in a way. But so the book in his hand is How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics teaches us about Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and transcendence by Michael Pollan.
1: Interesting. And
0: so, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he's reading that after, because if you think about it, the first time that he actually did the mushrooms is when he had like his whole total football, Yeah. even though they said that the it was like a dud batch or whatever. Right. So maybe, maybe he's now getting more interested in it, but, and maybe also to deal with some of his own stuff, right? Like the addiction, the depression, things like that. But he gets to the house and Michelle and Henry are there waiting for him. I love that there's a little free library right outside their house.
1: Also, the boyfriend is not there. Boyfriend
0: is not there. We get the sense that the boyfriend might be out of the picture now, but they don't really confirm that they're back together either. Right, though, you know. right,
1: right. But that's part of the prog mess, right? The, yeah. right. Yeah. And then they go to the soccer game. He's now coaching the soccer team of his yeah. kid.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Henry is super hard on himself. And he calls him out and he says, well, what do, what do we say? And mm. Henry knows this already. Be a goldfish. And then he goes mm-hmm. back out and he starts to have fun again. And then we close out with Ted, you know, smiling and content. It looks like. Yeah. Right. And, and looking so,
1: right at the camera, just like mm-hmm. who did it start off? It was started with Nate looking at the camera at the beginning of the season. Right. Of this season. Yeah. Or was it, oh, was it Ted?
0: No, it was, it was Ted, Ted because it's always oh, it the Ted. same person beginning. Oh, in it, interesting. Right? Got
1: so, it. Oh yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. So it was Ted at the airport dropping off his son.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, oh,
0: so, whew, that was a lot.
1: That is a lot.
0: So I'm curious, like what's your biggest takeaway or takeaways for like the series as a whole?
1: That's a hard question. I mean, the, I think the thing that keeps coming up for me are, are the, two things we've mentioned a lot which is the whole idea of prog mess, mm-hmm. right and this idea that as part of the prog mess you have to be a goldfish like you have to be able to be like everything's temporary moving on just be fully present to the moment and then the theme for me from the very beginning which is the theme probably of my life is like attunement mm-hmm. right is this this idea of play creates attunement and vice versa And when you're allowed to play, you know, in that total football sort of way, magical things start to happen. And it takes a long time and it doesn't happen on anyone's timeline. It happens when it needs to happen. And that's kind of what happened in everyone's story is like they came full circle when it was time for them to come full circle. And it wasn't forced and you couldn't control it. But you just had to trust and just be present and continue to be part. Of the game, continue to keep showing up, you know, just keep swimming in many ways, like a goldfish. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the work in progress is a a big theme for me as well. And I just keep coming back to this idea of connection over perfection, right? So, this idea that it's so important for us to create connection with other people, because again, as as humans, Mm -hmm. we're hardwired for that. But our perfectionism and, you know, perfection, when we talk about that, there's so many different things like you can look at it as so many different things, but it's this idea of not allowing the the lack of vulnerability is what gets Mm -hmm. in the way of us being able to truly connect with people. And to me, this show was all about how do you bring in kindness Mm -hmm. and curiosity and vulnerability so that you can truly connect with other people and then build that sense of community and and that, you know, like the collective, what we can do as the collective. And so I thought it was just really, really beautiful.
1: What reminds me of that is I, I think now more and more about like, how do you dismantle patriarchy? How do you dismantle hierarchy? Right. And I feel like the, the answers come down to like community and humanity yeah you know, and that's really always what it's always come down to, yeah. right? yeah and the more we can like what Ted did was the more he was able to cultivate this community built off of humanity, compassion, empathy, you yeah. know, and trust and vulnerability, that's when it happened. But as part of it, they also had to go through a lot of pain and suffering in the process, and I think a lot of times we just want to skip to the exactly. to the other part. But you can't build a real relationship if you're not willing to go down the vulnerable caverns where you might not get out of them. Right. And that's like the prop. But just seeing how grounded everyone is because they went through all those paths, that just gives me so much confidence in myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, I can't believe we have done three seasons of this, Jeff. Thank you so much. This has been such a a fun project for me, mm-hmm. and I've really loved not just doing this with you, but getting to know you even more as a result. And I'm really, really grateful for your friendship and for the ability to work with you on this. And I'm really going to miss like these these chats because they I they've know. just been so much so, fun. So much
1: I. I just want to thank you for providing the uh, organization for this, because I'm much more, you know, not detail oriented on anything. And for anyone that's listening, the reason this happened is because of Dimple, because she was the one that like re-listened to every episode. I can't even listen to my own, you know, podcast interviews. I I barely listen to anything. So all of the details, the reason why this is the reality that it is, is because of Dimple. So thank you so much for. Thank you. All of the stuff that you've done. This has been such a fun ride. And I'm so glad we agreed to do this at the beginning. Me too. And to all of you who have been
0: listening and who have stuck with us, thank you so, so much. You know, we've gotten some really, really lovely notes from people over the last three seasons and we're super, super grateful. And it's just been really nice to hear, you know, how, Our conversations have impacted you or your choices, like, you know, how you're leading, things like that. It's been really um, fun to hear those. So please continue to reach out. We'd love to continue to hear from you. And yeah.
1: I also encourage people, for people that haven't watched Ted Lasso, when they go and watch it, mention this podcast Mm -hmm. so that they can watch it in turn, because then there are so many clips, especially because Dimples pulled them out, right? That like you don't even know the details, and then Dimple comes out with like seat one fifty two means that I, what I have ever even looked at the seat numbers that's just ridiculous, but the fact that, yes, I encourage you, send them this podcast so they can get deeper into the Ted lasso lore and enjoy the ride like we enjoyed this ride,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, so thank you, everybody and yeah, hopefully we'll be back with other things down the line. Um, I know we each have things going on, so you can follow us on social media to keep up with what we're each doing. So I'm at Dim Story across pretty much every platform, so you can find me there. And Jeff, do you want to give yours? Yeah,
1: I'm at Jeff Harry Plays J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y-P-L-A-Y-S. Thank you so much, everyone, for going on this journey with us. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of What Would Ted Lasso Do? If you've got any nuggets of Ted Lasso wisdom from this episode, try them out in your life and let us know what happens at WWTLDpodcast on Instagram or on our website, WWTLDpodcast.com, where you'll also find a full transcript of the show. We love hearing what other TEDHeads took away from the episode or details or perspectives that we might've missed.
1: And if you do like the show, please subscribe and head on over to Apple podcasts and leave us a five star rating. Every rating helps us get our show in front of more listeners to that end. We'd also ask if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends, loved ones, randos on the street. You get it.
0: Thank you to the team at Podify for producing our show, to Kajal Dabalia for all our visuals and graphics, and to Kenzie Slato for our theme song. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening.
1: Ted Lasso could simply just be another show to binge watch, or if we challenge ourselves to consistently ask the question, what would Ted Lasso do? It could change the trajectory of your life. It has for us.
0: So join us again next time as we explore another episode and ask ourselves, what would Ted Lasso do?